When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I know I'm not a fucking idiot. I, I know that these players are good. Like, something else is going on here. Like, <laughs> it can't be you being wrong. It can't be me being wrong. It couldn't possibly be the case. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And I- After the Wolves game, our manager came out and he fronted up. <laughs> and, he, and he said, We all didn't turn up until halftime. We all went away with regret and frustration. Tomorrow gives us an opportunity to try and come out of the blocks quicker, try and find a performance over 90 minutes. That's what we need if we're going to find the outcome we want. I've also given them the final message of the week, and that's not to leave it on the training ground. Let's see it at Villa Park tomorrow and try to give the supporters a performance to be proud of. Oh, I am one proud supporter. <laughs> I, I, I'm so proud. <laughs> you know, we came out... We didn't quite get the 90 minutes yet. We got another 45 minutes. We didn't get 45 minutes against Wolves, by the way. That was the narrative that was peddled afterwards. But once again, here we are talking about a fantastic 45-minute performance in which we went in behind 1-0, and we were behind after 2 minutes and 50 seconds. It's now four defeats on the trot. Four defeats on the trot. Nine defeats in 15 games. Not good. Another spanking at home. And there we are talking about what a great first-half performance it was. Yeah, and like, the first half was probably the best defensive performance, apart from an absolute howler that I've seen from an Aston Villa side in a long time. And Spurs didn't really have the ball in Villa's half. The aggression in the press, the aggression in the tackle was all great. And in attack, we had good pace, good movement, and fucking dreadful quality. I mean, people talking about it being a great first half as if as if scoring isn't the only thing that matters on a football pitch. Like. So deliberative, so many overhit and underhit passes as well, and really bad decision making, like passing the ball to Danny Ings. Like imagine <laughs> being on a football pitch and thinking, "I know what I'll do. I'll give it to Ings." 
Like all the fucking time and sweat put into development to a level where you're paid tens of thousands of euro a week, being picked from literally hundreds of millions of other people and getting on the pitch in front of your fucking fans and deciding to dink one to Danny Ings. What a fucking shit show of a performance that was. The second half was an absolute shambles. So there's no point in talking about the first half, the first half if you're going to be such an incoherent yeah. mess in the second half. Like Spurs got the goal in the 49th minute, so 46 minutes since they last did anything. And then the players went to pieces and Jared just stood back and watched it until he decided to clock in on the 66, 69th minute and do what he thinks is his entire job description of bringing on fucking Bundee and Bailey. We'll get back to that cunt later on. But, but look, like, as you say, I'm sure again he isn't happy. I'm sure he's learned a lot. I'm sure there are a lot of lads in the dressing room that need to have a look at themselves. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure there'll be changes the next day as well, Conan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's gonna be loads of changes apparently. We'll probably just revert back to the game before as it seems to be <laughs> what we do. We try one thing, doesn't work, so we go back to the last thing that didn't work and we just bounce forward and say we're not happy and we're gonna change it and it's on me to change it and it's just just stop it. We've said this before when it was going bad. Don't wanna see these shit interviews, don't wanna see these shit interviews. I'll come back to those cunts and I don't wanna see these platitudes, this lip service, just just nothing. It's just go and get the job done. And by the way, you're right. You're so right. If 45 minutes is all you can muster from that intensity, and it was a good 45-minute performance, still, we were still 1-0 down. And like, like you say, the objective is not to be 1-0 down, especially before three minutes are on the clock. If you can only do that for 45 minutes, and let's find a different game plan that's going to last 90 minutes because right now, that's the equivalent of a, a Formula 1 car, a, a, a mid-grid Formula 1 car going out and burning the tires off itself, not going into the pit stop, leading the Grand Prix for 12 laps before completely dying out and all the better cars just sort of stroll and buy it as if it's not there. It's like me going to race against some of the top long-distance runners in the world and absolutely bombing it, bombing it for the first two kilometers before they immediately just flick me aside and continue going because they realize it's a 42 kilometer race if Aston Villa <laughs> can't get more than 45 minutes then let's stop pouring absolutely fucking everything we have into that first 45 minutes because obviously like yes we wanted a response but we wanted the response over 90 minutes and uh, like you might as well get into the goals and you've mentioned that one of the biggest cock-ups like, I think I, th- I think this was probably a real show of what was going to happen because for me there's cock up there's a cock up earlier in this move and it comes from our good friend Douglas Louise who decides to leave all the space for Harry Kane and like that was a real preview because I don't know what would have been talked about in this game beforehand I I thought like we we have joked before being sarcastic to say that other teams have DVDs of each other but maybe Aston Villa <laughs> don't see Harry Kane dropping into that space and maybe they don't see him just finding some and, and whoever the other player is playing on the, the other side. Like, but Douglas Ruiz obviously wasn't briefed that he needs to just hold that position because he gets so excited to join Coutinho and Watkins in closing down Heuberg. Douglas Ruiz is like, let's fucking go, lads. We're closing down the defensive midfielder, the limited defensive midfielder. Harry Kane's left there on his only plays at first time for Kulisevsky. And now Villa are scrambled. I think Dinya clears it, but now they're deep because of that first time Kane ball. And then Dyer just plays a long ball. Like, you know, here's a, we've figured out today, or like, you know, this is going to be a real, 
threat for Aston Villa now another way of team scoring against them just pump it down long and see what happens because <laughs> because Ezra Konza because Villa have had a track or drop back so deep because Harry Kane has dropped deep in the other direction Konza gets completely freaked out that he, he decides that he has to get up early against Son and he doesn't head it until he's dropped back down into the ground such as it's like Son hasn't even gone up with him but Konza's gone up so early landed back in the ground and the ball's landed on his head and then it lands on Harry Kane's right foot Hits off Mad Cash. It's a lovely finish from Son then in the follow-up, but what a fucking disaster to start the game off. Yeah, the Konza couldn't have dropped the ball off any more deliciously for Kane. And luckily for us, Kane decides to do what Konza should have and drove it into Rhodes' head. And unluckily <laughs> for us, Cash intercepts it and fucking pops it out to Son. I mean, only Aston Villa could concede two goal-scoring opportunities from the opposition smashing the ball up the field. Like, it's fucking dreadful from Konza. You're right, he's, he's jumped far too early. He's doing his best Ollie Watkins 2019-2020 impersonation. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, that Watkins rarely appears. And when he does, he's laying it off to fucking Danny Ings. And it's, it's a great finish from Son, but it's it's dreadful from Konza. Absolutely dreadful. And then the second half just got from bad to worse. We'll talk about some of the chances that Villa did have in the first half. But And by the way, it was only the first half. They had one chance that fell to Bailey in the second half. I don't know if that counts. Uh, 2-0 Kulisevsky it's another long ball it's Ezra Konza again he's about to go up for it go up for a header and then he realises it's the England captain he apologises and waves him through he, he's like I've never seen Ezra Konza look so polite he just steps aside Harry Kane is ready for a challenge and Konza doesn't give it to him even though Konza was in position to start with he actually steps to the left to give Harry Kane the space who's able to just flick it to Kulisevsky Cash misses the tackle, and then Mings is now covering in fairness to him, but I still think he could get a bit closer. I don't know, is Martinez culpable in this as well? The ball goes the whole way across to the far post. I think it's a decent finish as well, but just another series of, of messes from Villa players. Yeah, like, why has Konza gone out to give fucking Kane a gentle hug and kiss goodnight? <laughs> he, he's not the one that's fallen asleep, Ezra. It's fucking Mings and Cash and Martinez you should be tucking in. Yeah. The Kane isn't ready for bed. He's throwing a fucking house party in your gaff. <laughs> Danny Ings is making a fucking mess of the toilet and Stephen Gerrard's just holding his hair and rubbing his back. <laughs> of all the annoying things about this goal, the most annoying was listening to the co-commentator having a fiddle with himself describing Harry Kane's role in it. Like, I don't want to be listening to that. I've tuned in to watch a football match. I've got an internet connection if I want to listen to that sort of thing. Like, I have absolutely no doubt I can find somebody wanking off to Harry Kane on the internet I don't want to do, watch a journal fucking football match he went so far as to describe it as unselfish as if Kane had just passed up a certain goal by passing to Kuvaleski rather than head a ball with snow on it past Martinez from 25 yards out it's a good fucking flick on but like let's, you know let's not go mental here he flicks it on down the channel and he probably shouldn't be scoring from there you're right but He's put it exactly where he wanted to with a lot of power on it and you'll typically score if you do that. Yeah. The third one is is probably a, a nicer pass from Harry Kane because he has a look, but he's allowed to have a look. It's a lovely little head, but once again, Harry Kane drops a little deep, is able to turn around. Ezra Kanza once more is pointing at Harry Kane dropping into that space. So that is annoying. Like I think Douglas Louise should be in there. Douglas Louise should be coming in and stopping that, and Kanza should hold. Kanza should still hold anyway and blame Douglas Louise afterwards because what he does then is decide far too late. He decides to come forward, and we've, we've blamed 
or we've we've criticised Tyrone Mings for this before, just vacating the space. And Kane can't believe it because Kansas come too late. Kansas, we've already mentioned the respect he obviously has for Harry Kane. He's not going to put too much pressure on him, so he comes in to touch his back again. Can't believe that I'm feeling the England captain's back, who now. In fairness, it's a very nice pass because I thought he would have gone the other way, but he's put it inside. He's better footballer than me. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, like, a lovely first touch from Son. Great finish. But once again, all the space is vacated because to start off with, Douglas Louise hasn't closed the defensive midfield spot that he should have been. And Ezra Kanza has vacated the centre defensive spot that he should have been occupying. Yeah, like why is why is Kanza following Kane not far up the pitch? And if he is, why is he not following him out properly? Like why mm. is he following him out to stand five yards behind him? If you're going out, fucking go out. Yeah. If Kane him. is getting there, exactly. If Kane is getting there first, then go through him and make sure the pass is shit because you've made Kane shit himself so he ha- the pass can't possibly be completed properly. Yeah. Don't be just going out and standing saying, "What do you want to do? Flick it on, knee him in the back, do something." Yeah. And if Kanza is wandering into midfield. Then why? What the fuck is Cash doing on the right wing? Like, like Mings has gone across because he doesn't like the look of Kulusevsky's run. Kanza followed Kane because he doesn't like to be alone, apparently. But why? Like why is Cash hanging out in the right wing? Like, yeah. We know he likes defending. We know he likes putting out fires, smashing in the lads. Like, does, does he think Kanza or Mings are able to deal with a fucking straight ball down the middle? Because we have plenty of reason to believe that's not the case. So get ready. Yeah, like that, that was one of the most disappointing goals. I think Kanza should have been going into the back of him once he decided to go. And it's like, even when he decided late, which is annoying enough, the indecisiveness, I think he should have just held his position, let Kane take the ball down, or let Kane flick the ball onto two centre halves in place. But once he did decide to go, he should have clattered him and then gave Douglas Louise what for? Like, what the fuck? are you doing where are you i just had a foul this boy in, in center midfield and that's absolutely fine because now you've got a free kick in center midfield and who cares we'll just set yeah. up let them do nothing with that ball but instead he's just open the pitch up for son open the how many times do you <laughs> need to see the threat of son up close we should be able to see it in the dvds but obviously we're not watching the dvds but we've got enough evidence enough personal experience of Son just running into all this space. It's fucking insanity. And I can't believe that it's happened over and over. And I can't believe I can't believe I'm talking about Ezra Konza like this. Like it's 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 so annoying. And we know now like what's going to happen in the next game, Chambers will come in. People will say, yeah, right, this so Konza was shit. But these will be the big changes that Jared will make. Chambers will come in. Nakamba might play for Douglas Louise, which would be better. But that's going to be it, really. Like there's not going to be much else happening. I, I absolutely doubt there'll be much else happening. You're right, and it, it is just, it is a disgrace that the Conza doesn't go out and clatter him, and it's a disgrace that he feels like he has to because Douglas Louise isn't there. But once Douglas Louise isn't there, Conza be fucking smart because Kane's not an idiot either. If Conza doesn't go, Kane's not flicking the ball through to Conza, yeah. but he'll just be picking the ball up on the halfway line on the turn. It's grand. Son will run. Will had to have stopped because there's yeah. no space anymore. Son's not an idiot either. It'll all slow down. Douglas Louise might eventually amble back into the fucking camera shot. Just don't go. Don't go out unless you're going out, I guess, right? Well, speaking of Douglas Louise in the camera <laughs> shot, <laughs> the four 0 This, but this was embarrassing. This goal, like I, I'd say, Spurs fans must be delighted with the goal of Villa scorers. You'd be watching it on loop, but not really thinking about the mess that was happening in the opposition defence. But like they're just keeping possession really well. They start off with, but. 
every single Villa player has been made a mug off. It starts off with Jacob Ramsey being done. He's trying to put a bit of pressure. And then, of course, Douglas Louise, our centre defensive midfield anchor, once again, can't help himself. He gets drawn to the left wing and he gets done. And then that, that, that leaves Kane free yet again because he's just, you know, Douglas Louise once more obviously wasn't brief to Kane. When he drop into that space, he's a hangout in the left wing out of the camera shot. Kane can't believe it. He just plays Son away. And then Son slows up and Douglas Louise, Louise arrives down the, the wing now because he's just decided that the sideline's the best place for him. And <laughs> and then him, I don't know what, how Kansas ended up out here. Like is he is he is he actually afraid to be alone because he's followed Son the whole way out here and Douglas Louise seems to get nutmegged. Kanza follows Son into the box but still leaves him enough space to finish it off as, as it comes into Son and it's another nice finish from Son but once again it's space 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 as Villa players being taken out by passes every one of them committing themselves as well like none of them just stood up and held their shape and that all started with, with Ramsey and Louise or midfield being taken out. Yeah, like yeah, I have absolutely no idea how Kansas ended up at left back. I should look back at it really, but but when he is out there, our shape as if it isn't bad enough. Fucking doggy comes bounding in, even though Kanza has told them to watch the man inside. You can see Kanza pointing. So like, not only does doggy not have a fucking clue how to defend, he also can't follow instructions. He really can teach an old dog new tricks, but it's a fucking disgrace. He still hasn't even been house trained. Like, it's not like we're looking for him to do a backflip here. Just stop shitting on the floor. <laughs> and, and you're saying Kanza follows Son back in there, but he, he reacts so slowly to that. He does eventually get there because he's rapid, but it's it's almost like he's surprised that Son, a deadly forward, has run into the box to get on a second ball. And then whenever Kanza does, he takes a knee. Like he was bowing before his fucking king. Like what was that difference about? Here you go, my lees, do what you may. And unfucking surprisingly Son just whips it into the net. <laughs> like, like I've always said, if you give world-class forwards acres of space inside the box, they'll probably fucking score. Yeah, yeah. You've always been consistent on that. In fairness. <laughs> the, the most humiliating thing in this whole match was how genuinely upset Son was to be coming off. At 4-0, he's already scored a hat-trick. They're away from home. The job is done emphatically because of him. And all Villa are doing really, and they've been, they've been aggressive the whole match, and all they're doing is kicking boys late. Look at Ashley Young on Kane, and Son is so sad to be taken out of that action because of how easy it was. Like, never mind scoring a hat trick. He was there thinking, "Fuck's sake! Like, there's definitely two more goals in this for me. I'm just running into space. Like, why are you taking me off? This would have been the easiest." way to add to Mitali ever and, and I'm not going to get this chance now I'm going to be taken off for these last 15 minutes and and he was like anyway he, he very easily turns to tears but like he was actually <laughs> very very upset yeah well done my son's crying he's, he's he was just thinking that my I'm five behind I'm five behind Salah here in the top goal scorers chance this is <laughs> he's playing Man City tomorrow this is my chance I could easily just level level up with him at least now and then he's got a tough game tomorrow. Maybe he won't pull away again. Yeah, that's uh, that's all the action from from the match. We're going to get into WhatsApp ranges. Got a lot of tactics talk, a lot of players to go through. Coming up, we'll start with WhatsApp ranges. All right, WhatsApp ranges. First one. Can this Coutinho boy not play fucking 90 minutes? <laughs> 29 he's 29 
and he's played 16 matches in the last three months. Like, what, what, what more does he need to get up to full fitness? I know he's brilliant. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that later and give him the, the credit he deserves. He's absolutely class to watch. Opens things up all the time. But why can he not play 90 minutes? Like, what, what, is, what is going on? Like, we, if we want to spend all this money on him, and if he wants to stay at this rate, and if we want to invest so much in him, let's, let's get a player who can last 90 minutes, especially when they're only 29. Conan, and the 70th minute mark, Stephen Gerrard's job is to take off Ings and Coutinho <laughs> for Bailey and Buendia. You know that. Stephen Gerrard knows that. And Philip Coutinho was learning that as well. That's just what happens. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing the SNC coaches can do about it. Coutinho's getting taken off in the 70th minute for Emiliano Buendia every game until we fucking explode. <laughs> Second WhatsApp winch. It looks like we need to replace the majority of the team, but like mm-hmm. that, that can't be the case, can it? Like if if you go by social media reaction, if you go by just watching these matches, like I I think really like a hundred percent you would be saying okay, we got Martinez, we got Cash, we got Ramsey, we got Coutinho, and, and then the rest of them seem like they're up for up for question. Like just they're not that bad, are they? Like I thought this team is is all right. <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Like, I know I'm not a fucking idiot. I, I know that these players are good. Like, something else is going on here. Like, <laughs> it can't be you being an idiot. It can't be me being wrong. God, it couldn't possibly be the case. What a horrible vista that would be for everyone. Like, Konza is brilliant at football. Turno Mings is brilliant at football. He just has a lot of fucking dodgy moments. Konza had as many yesterday as he normally has in a season. Fucking... Watkins was brilliant. He could, that couldn't have been a Watkins last year. Couldn't have been a fluke. That just couldn't be the case. Look at Dina plays for France. Ah, uh, yeah, he plays for France. He doesn't play for Villa. He comes off and he gets dislocated <laughs> <laughs> his shoulder, from shoulder to shoulder yesterday. Like that, yeah. like the ball was running out of play. And he runs into Romero. Not making fun of him because I feel bad for him. His season might be over, but come on, come on. Like I say, we're going to invest in this boy as well. I mean, came off the week before because he needed a shit. <laughs> well, like you know, are you adding him to the to the the forward that I have here? Are you saying Dina is up to up to scratch? Like Dina is up, Dina is up to scratch for a team that wants to finish seventh or eighth. Like we'll avoid we'll avoid the question. Like it definitely is. I mean, Man United are still fucking in the top seven. Like, <laughs> Like Luke Shaw hasn't played a game of football in the last five years. Like, you know, come on, he's he's being replaced by a Tellez. Yeah, they fucking Wan Bissaka fighting with Diogo Dalo. Like you know, it's you can you can definitely carry Luke at left. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's definitely of the standard. It's the other ones who are so inconsistent. The the real problem lies. Like what? Why? What what is wrong with Danny Ings? <laughs> uh, sister Tara sent us a message yesterday, absolutely bang on. Why why is Danny Ings a striker? What what like? <laughs> but we know why because of what he did beforehand. What's he doing now? Like why why is he so far away from the finisher that he was supposed to be? And, and why is that impairing walking so much? Why is John McGinn just letting matches just skip by him? without doing anything, really. And they just standing there over the ball and trying to scoop left out of passes. We know we need a number six. That's fine. That, like, that, that's obvious that we should have 
gotten one in January, Gerard should have put his foot down. I, I criticized Smith for this before. A good manager gets what he wants. Like it's it's a tough deal and sometimes you're hamstrung by your board. But you know, he should also especially in January where Gerard had a bit of clout, he should have like he was talking about creating a no excuse culture. That should have been his way of saying, give me the number six and I'll have no excuses. <laughs> in fairness, he would have run out of road very quickly then as we're still going the way we're going. But I don't <laughs> think we would have been going the way we're going if we had had that proper number six as well. Yeah, I think I think pound for pound over the last four or five months, Danny Ings has been the worst striker we've ever had. <laughs> when you can when you can when you consider the reputation he has, his standing in his game, the way commentators talk about him, his record before we signed him, how he personally enunciated his name, things couldn't be going any worse for Danny Ings over the last couple of months. He's a fucking shambles, and yesterday he looked like a quivering mess. It was a joke. John McGinn isn't good enough to be a a team that's seriously challenging for European football. I've said that for the last year and a half. It's it's so clear. He's too inconsistent. He's too hectic. Maybe he'd get away with him being in the team if he had someone who could actually sit in and tuck in, so he had to do less work in a defensive setup, so he wasn't wasting quite as much energy. But I think he just wastes he wastes as much energy as he does everyone else's time whenever he eventually gets on the ball. Yeah. We are a bad team. A lot a lot of a lot of players need to be replaced if we are if we are to be serious about going in the direction we want to go. And look, that's one reason you might have a, a bit of sympathy for Jared. I mean, he, he is right that the players have been way below the standard in the last four games. And this is why I was laughing at Villa. Fans demanding Europe for the last two years, like as if these lads could compete with teams that have Kane and Son or, you you know, a midfield, for example. <laughs> but, but, the, but the really annoying thing is these players are playing well below their own standard. Yeah. And we have played good teams in the last four games, but we've made it look like we've played the best four teams in Europe. We get I know we ended up chasing that game as well, and that can leave you exposed, but we were fu- we were fucking chasing after like a pissed up Benny Hill running bollock naked down Trinity Road. It was a mess. <laughs> and Spurs were just running through they were running through us like a Saturday night slab of Guinness on the Sunday morning. It was a fucking joke. We couldn't have been more exposed. Like that's not like that's not all Gerard's fault. The players are obviously fucking morons as well. Yeah, well, like, good teams say that. Then Wolves went out the next game, produced a stinker. Arsenal, Arsenal have only grabbed points once in their last four matches, and they were obviously against Villa. They went out the next game and got fucking hammered by Crystal Palace. I watched the Brighton match yesterday. Got outplayed by them. Outplayed by Brighton. And like this, the, Villa, like we we spoke about this last week. Yes, they're good teams, but why? how have Villa gotten to the stage as well with these players where it's just better teams and worse teams and Villa will beat the worst teams and lose to the better teams? Come on! Compete! Get some fucking points when you don't deserve them or get some points against better teams. Where is the fight? Where is the pride in these bastards? Like, what is happening? It's a good question. I mean, like, yeah, but what, like, where, where is the fight? Honestly, where is the different way of playing? Where is shutting down the game? Where is having the the understanding of what is happening on the pitch? Like, as if Spurs weren't going to come out better in the second half yesterday as well. I mean, we had to play a lot smarter at the start of that game. And once we conceded the second goal, we absolutely had to tuck in for a couple of minutes. We had to make it a lot more tight and a lot more difficult, like we do in a lot of games. But we just fucking opened up. It was unbelievable. It was so naive. And unsurprisingly, a team with Kane and so on and scored another two goals. <laughs> you know what happened with that second goal? It was the equivalent of Villa going behind with the first goal. We said up 
often about how they just crumble as soon as they they go down. But obviously this time, you know, they were going to they were going to react to what had happened over the last few games and they were going to give the fans something to be proud of. So after the first goal, they weren't going to let that happen. But after the second goal, they were definitely going to let that happen. <laughs> and all the heads went, you know, like, and Mings was, was good yesterday, but he went up for a corner and he just looked, this was in a 2-0, and he, he looked so, oh, fuck, I can't believe we're 2-0 down. <laughs> it's like, come on, we've got a corner. You know, McGinn started that usual then coming in late and fouling boys. Boys just getting done then. Talk about Jacob Ramsey. Uh, McGinn did it again on the other side, just selling themselves in with lazy, late tackles and just getting overrun. And uh, and when you don't have a defensive midfielder, like that's going to look so much more stark than it should. Yeah, it, it absolutely will as well. But if you don't have a defensive midfielder, then you shouldn't necessarily take those risks and every fucking opportunity that presents it. You know, you have to be a bit smarter than that. You have to understand your teammates. Like you don't play a ball five yards in front of somebody who can't run, for example. <laughs> Next WhatsApp winch. What is happening on Twitter? <laughs> What's going on? What like do you remember Tyro Mings conceded a foul? It was very similar to the Saka tackle. I think it was on Kulosevsky. And uh, yeah, he, he just gets the ball, he passes it as he's tackling it, and the referee gives him a free kick to Spurs. And I just put in a tweet. Obviously joking. I said Tyro Mings needs to stop getting to challenges so quickly before the opposition. He needs to stop <laughs> playing the ball before they arrive because he's putting them at risk. And uh, you know, thankfully, I shouldn't say thankfully, but you know this this was taken the way it was written and the way it was intended <laughs> by most people. But a lot of people didn't take it that way, and we got a few comments coming in reacting to it. what a stupid comment. I managed a really successful kids team for five years, and one of the things I tried to impress on them as six-year-olds was when we started was getting to the ball first. <laughs> That's your starting point, Conan. You have to have the ball. Anyone who watched that game and didn't arrive at Konza being at full for the four goals needs their head testing. Mings isn't the problem. <laughs> Awful take. Absolutely appalling take. Go watch cricket. That's safe and non-contact. <laughs> needs to to stop getting to challenges so quickly that's the most outrageous shout i've ever heard (laughs) and then 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 it follows up with i bet you're part of the three headers a week to lower the risk of dementia crew you know (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to take that on because they actually would have thought that i they, they would have thought I was who they thought I was. And if I had to say, well, like, you know, let, let, let's have a look at lowering dementia. Like, that, that's not a bad shout. <laughs> by doing that, I would have been tired then with somebody who thinks that Tyrone Mings shouldn't actually get to the ball first and play the ball before a Spurs player arrives on the pitch. I know, like, this is a, a point of consternation or a point of uh, debate, especially like Arsenal fans and now with Spurs fans. Like, if Mings is there first, it's on you to not arrive in then. Like Mings comes in hard and he's following through hard, but he's got to the ball about half a second before him. Get out of the fucking way if you don't want to get minced. Like it's it's like somebody overhead kicking the ball and then somebody arriving late and saying, Well, like you, know, you should you shouldn't have been doing that. You shouldn't be running into somebody who's trying to kick the ball. Yeah, that's it. Like, like people are idiots. I mean, Theron Mings' tackle was absolutely brilliant. That was exactly what we needed at that moment. And it was exactly, it was emblematic of the defensive performance in that first half as well. 
But if you're asking what's happening on Twitter, I mean, what's happening in the world of people who are being paid to comment on these matches? That co-commentator, after about three minutes of seeing it and after about 15 replays, and no action taken on Ming, surprise, surprise, because he passed the ball to Dina, said he can sigh, he can breathe a sigh of relief that he's not being sent off. <laughs> like he, that co-commentator was watching replays and just ignoring them and instead commentating on the world that existed in the referee's head. Like He thought his job was to watch a replay and talk us through the decision the referee had made, regardless yeah. of whether or not it was wrong. Like Obviously, the Twitter sphere isn't attuned to just how devastatingly funny you are. <laughs> but it's like sarcasm doesn't translate to twitter Colin, for two reasons obviously there are there are a lot of stupid people out there and there's also there's too much going on on twitter Colin. like yeah. you can't expect people to spend half a second to read a tweet process it and make a value judgment about whether or not you're actually hilarious i mean there's <laughs> there's stats to be had there's bald ronaldo's and fat messes to be photoshopped fucking ratios coming from every direction they're <laughs> There are hardened opinions and fucking camps to set up, Conan, culture wars to be fought. Did you expect people to understand and not very subtle attempt at sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. The last WhatsApp winch, a long WhatsApp winch today, obviously, you'll forgive me for it, but the biggest plague in Aston Villa right now is the post-match club interviews. <laughs> These boys need to fuck off. Like They need to piss right off. Like I am fed up. I, I've had a quick brief mention of them before about the underarm throws that they toss up for managers, but but they're doing it. They're doing it after defeat after defeat after stinking performance after stinking performance, and they're doing it with somebody who, who in fairness to Gerard, I, I, I've, I'm sort of laughing at him wanting to front up, but he knows that he does need to front up. He knows what the fans want. He knows what's what the tone is going to be out there and what the feeling is. And like, he can still spin his own narrative as well, but he doesn't need somebody else fawning over him after he loses all the time. And he's not actually that interested in it anyway. He looks a little bit embarrassed sometimes when he gets asked the questions that he gets asked. Here is an example of the questions that Steven Gerrard has been asked after four defeats in a row. Each of these four games, this is what he was served up by the Aston Villa club interviewers. And obviously it comes off the back of a, a good free game um, mm. run for us. Is the char- uh, challenge now to put another run together? Always. I mean, they were hanging on at the end. You you stayed in the game. Is that something yeah, you Yeah, but look, from we, we waited too long to come to the game. And as you say, an improved second half. And with a couple of big chances, we could have taken something from the game in the end. Do you, are you able to take all the positives at the moment? I know 4-0, and we're speaking minutes after the full-time whistle, but can you look back and think, well... You've set a benchmark. We want to see more of that now for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you yeah, think that... of that? Like, they've just been spanked 4 0 at home to Spurs, and, 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 and they're being, it's being asked, is this, is this a benchmark? Is this a benchmark <laughs> now that, that you want the players to take from? Like, we, 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 we've got the positives now in this 4 0 defeat at home, in this four successive defeat. Surely this is where it all starts. This is the standard bearer for Aston Villa going forward. <laughs> Yeah, go one nil down and then respond to it by not scoring for a half and huff and puff and do quite well. Is that that's the standard we want? And then come out in the second half and get your fucking ass handed to you in a silver platter. Like, yeah, we, like we want positivity around the club. We all support the club, but we all also want the club to be better. And yeah. just fucking pretending that a four nil result didn't happen isn't going to get you there. 
It's okay to be angry whenever your team has been shit. You don't have to pretend that that didn't happen. We all watched the match. Anybody who's watching a post-game in-house club interview is also watching the fucking matches. So don't fucking lie to them by pretending that everything's okay. And you don't have to be positive all the time because that is counterproductive sometimes. Sometimes things are fucking shit. And losing four games in a row against teams you're trying to compete with is fucking shit. Especially when the most recent one was a 4-0 defeat at home. Yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine me doing this job. Like, I think I have too much raw passion for Aston Villa. Can you imagine me coming out to interview Gerard after this? Like, yeah, you're, the, you're, you're too good a fan, Con. What, 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 what the fuck was that, Stephen? What, <laughs> that would be the first question, and then I'd be like, that, this, this is going terribly. Like, what's going on? Like, what? Sure, the players aren't this bad, Stephen. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, you would just get angry as you're talking to them, and you would end up interrupting them. And like, obviously, that's not what the club want in a club interviewer as well. I understand that, but I don't know how you could watch the matches, follow Villa, support them so much, and and still feel so immune to the real feelings of what you should be feeling after a game. Yeah, like it's, it's condescending, and it's it's just it's acting as if we don't have our own emotions. That we 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 ha- it's acting like we haven't watched the match. It's acting like we're fucking idiots and can't process what we've just seen unfold in front of our eyes. It's acting as if we don't understand that losing four 0 at home isn't a bad result. Ask him a tough question. Ask him what he's going to... Like he's not going to give you a proper answer anyway. But you know, ask him how is he going to get a response. Ask him if he's fucking happy with that. I want to see Steven Gerrard angry. I want to see him properly angry. I don't want him to see him looking a bit embarrassed that he's being asked sheepish questions from sheepish, fawning little, obsequious little arseholes that are employed by the club. Just fucking, let's get to the root of this. It was a fucking disaster. Let's not pretend it wasn't. Well, it's just a case now of regrouping and getting ready for the next challenge. Yeah, well, there will be changes the next game. (laughs) Yeah, and there will be awards handed out after this. Important for everybody to just just fucking relax. When I say that Jack Grealish is a bad touch, I still know that Jack Grealish is amazing. (laughs) This is football. This is most of the enjoyment of football, watching it in real time and dissecting it and picking it apart and chatting about it. That's why we watch football. We're not involved. We're not involved with Aston Villa Football Club. It's fine. We can all have a reasonable discussion. We've invested so much of our lives, our time and our money into football and Aston Villa. We're allowed to complain about it. People make a mistake in thinking that you have to support everything that your club you support does. Don't. You know, I support Aston Villa. So if one of the players is shit, I don't want that player being there anymore. And I'll support him whenever he's playing. I'm not willing him to be shit. But when he is shit after the game, it's okay to say that. Because you might want to replace him. You're not going to get any better by just constantly saying, No, no, I think he's good enough. I think we should stick with Nyland. We're going to start with the Rossenthal Award. And we were just talking about Danny Ings. And he, he's definitely looking indecisive in everything he does. And he's not looking aggressive in his actions. And 
this isn't even really a nomination, but it sums up Danny Ings right now. Coutinho has a lovely touch down the right. He gets away from two men. And he gives it to Ings. Watkins and Ings are both running. And he gives it to Ings. He's closer. And then Watkins makes a run across the defenders. And Ings passes it, but it's never on. He, he, he plays a really bad pass oh, as well. It's yeah. timid. He's just deferring to the runner all the time. Take the shot. You've got the space. The runners are tracking Watkins. Get it on to your left and have a shot from 20 yards. Coutinho's just played a nice ball. There's nobody near you. Now it's the two of you up top. There are still two of you up top. And somebody's helping. He's made a run. If you pass it to him... What's he doing? He's got somebody up his arse anyway. He's going away from the goals. Take the shot yourself. Yeah, take the shot yourself. But if you are going to be so fucking pathetic as to just immediately look for a pass and just pass the book as well, you're right, Conan. The runners were tracking Watkins. Both of them were both defenders of Spurs, ran with Watkins. And there was acres of space on the left-hand side. And Jacob Ramsey and Dinya were coming. So all Ings had to do was he didn't even have to dummy it because the Spurs players had gone with Watkins. All he had to do was roll to his left. The boys were coming. But he should have just shot himself, of course. He's a centre-forward, apparently. <laughs> and another half-nomination was Luca Dean pulling back. Watkins just misses the ball and falls to him again. Shows unreal feet. He just twice goes around two players. And he, he, I think he's trying to tee up Ramsey. And Watkins gets in the way and with a heavy touch, just loses the ball. And it's like, oh, but there's going to be plenty more chances to come back to Watkins here. So or definitely one bigger chance to come back to Watkins, which I'd be very surprised if it doesn't win this. Next nomination is Jacob Ramsey. Oh, just doing Jacob Ramsey stuff, really. Power, skill, intent. He's got decisiveness. Like, Danny Ng should be looking at Jacob Ramsey for tips. Just just lines up Emerson Royale and Romero. Like, to talk about a, a moth to a flame. Like, that is Jacob Ramsey with a gap between two defenders. He will... He will go for it. Like he will always be drawn to that gap between two defenders, and they will always freak out. And he gets a left footed rasper into the near post. A good shot. It's a hell of a save. In fairness to Larice, um, who didn't have much of a great game. <laughs> very, uh, very untidy along his line for a lot of the game. He didn't get in the way, I suppose, for every single thing. But it, that was a great save. Uh, a, a pure great save from him. Yeah, like as if Spurs weren't lucky enough to be coming up against Danny Ings. Hugo Lloris also makes what feels like his first save of the season that he hasn't made a fucking mess of. <laughs> and it's, it's a rare moment of brilliant and a really, really haphazard display from JJ as well. And yeah, it's really unlucky after an incredible dribble and a good spank as well. Um, McGinn had a long-range shot. It's, it's a speculative shot. Like this was a nice move actually because it was a corner that went too deep. Ramsey gets it to the, the other side. He gets it out to continue. It gets switched to the right where Dina is, who hit the corner, and then he lays it out to McGinn. So it's just nice, quick move. Villa switching the play, setting up a new point of attack. McGinn has a, a speculative effort, but it gets the crowd going and it gets Hugo Lloris flapping around. And I'm like wondering why aren't we using this boy more? Like just get more shots in at this boy. He is Mister Parry, and he showed like, over and over that he will parry that ball into the box but villages weren't on it enough to get to, to close down those parries yeah you're right and Lloris might as well be on a unicycle juggling three balls I mean, he makes the simplest shot look like it's been fired out of a fucking cannon covered in butter <laughs> like we know he's a clown and that's what makes the, the previous one you were talking about more upsetting where McGinn is just dribbling through the box and doesn't get a shot away yeah like there were, there were Spurs players in the way, but but they weren't going to get out of the way by awkwardly shuffling the ball to the side for Watkins to awkwardly shuffle the ball to Ings and nobody take a shot. Have a shot. Like, we know he's a clown. 
and it's a decent spank from McGinn and Lloris looks like he's trying to fucking dive out of its way like he's afraid of the ball and he mm. remembers at the last minute that he's getting 10 million quid a year to not be afraid of the ball to dive in its way and he throws up a hand and yeah like we should be following those in yeah um, like Cash has a volley as well that Lloris just parries straight at him parries it nobody's in and uh there was a free. Oh, this this was the worst. One. Like, we, like first off, we can talk about Coutinho's freeze before half time. Lloris genuinely did look like he was on some sort of unicycle. The way he was on the line, he was freaking out. Coutinho has it on the left wing. It's deep towards the byline, and Lloris is on his tiptoes, bouncing, 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 like absolutely panicking. Coutinho has a lovely spike. I don't know what Lloris is expecting. Like, he does not react quickly enough, and eventually he makes a save right on the line. It almost went over the line by the time he saved it. And he he, he parries it right down in front of him. It bounces up. We're too slow to get in. He gets in with a tame header, but that stage there's Spurs players sort of holding him off, and we're not aggressive enough again. Yeah, because like it's a great effort from Coutinho, and I think because of his mess that he was beforehand, it ends up being a decent save from Lloris, to be fair. But can you imagine what people would be saying if he had to let it in? You're right. I mean... The cash volley, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's it's well controlled from cash, but it was never it was never gonna go in. And the annoying thing is that the Aston Villa players also didn't go in, like specifically Watkins and Ings aren't yeah. alert to the fact that the the only thing that Hugo Lloris has made stick in the last three years is his fucking reputation from five years ago. <laughs> he couldn't catch a fucking cold in a virology lab. Get around him. That ball was dropping to Cash for a long time. Get ready for the rebound because it's fucking coming back out if Cash gets this on target. Continue. Flo- like the, the, these two are the... No, there's three coming up now that I think are the... <sighs> <laughs> this is going to be hard to pick a winner from. First one is... Lovely free kick from Coutinho. Nice run from Danny Ings. Chipped over the top of the wall. Danny Ings is in. Danny Ings misses. We're, we've said that a lot in this category. <laughs> yeah, doing what he does best. Doing what, apparently what we've signed him to do. Fucking not connect with a football. Yeah. And like, it is difficult to connect with a ball that's dropping over your shoulder. But like, you don't have to act like a fucking pisshead that's trying to take off a pair of skinny jeans over a pair of docks. Hit the <laughs> fucking ball. <laughs> I think he's anticipating Hugo Lloris coming out, so he's oh, trying to... Oh, how fucking terrifying! <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. And also, he's never going to come out as Hugo Lloris. He's going to stand <laughs> on his line, terrified himself. He's going to be bouncing along on his tippy toes, and he tries this bicycle kick, like flying himself into the ball. Even then, he still should have connected with it properly, and he's just helped it on his way into Lloris's chest. Like, Lloris caught that ball. That's how bad it was. <laughs> But like the, the the annoying thing is with it, like he he has to get anything that resembles a connection on it, and it's a goal because he's fucking five yards out by the time the ball's on his toe. Yeah, it's incredible. And this is my nomination, and it seemed to be Gerard's based on his reaction. Continue. This boy must be pissed off playing with these chumps. Yeah, breaks down towards the byline, just floats a lovely, perfect. Wouldn't even call it a cross. I would call it a pass onto Ollie Watkins' head with his left foot. Free header, six yards out. He just scared it over, nowhere near getting his head over it. And he had all the time in the world to do it. Coutinho is raging. Gerard is more so. And yeah, Villa don't score another easy chance. Yeah, like yeah, Gerard's reaction summed it up pretty well. I mean, he was fucking raging, and rightly so. Coutinho does brilliantly to dig it out. And 
like Romero goes to Mark Watkins's shadow and Dyer's fucking been watching Ezra Konza too long and Watkins has got so much space. He's five yards out. He doesn't even have to jump that high. It's an absolute sitter. It's a ridiculous miss. Yeah. And uh, other nominations. So I think it's between Ings, it's between Watkins and it's between Mr. Leon Bailey. Hugo Lloris cocks up, gives the ball straight back to Aston Villa. It seems like he's got half a net open, completely free. And he decides to slide into it and hit it off his own foot and wide. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Wrong choice. I would say just, just hit that one with your left foot into the net. But he's done, <laughs> done the old slide and I'll hit it off my right foot and see what happens. Yeah, it was obviously another productive evening with his camera in the bushes outside Gerard's house. <laughs> is it one of the most disgusting things I've seen in a football pitch? And I'm talking about seeing broken legs, Ashley Young munching down on bird shit, fucking Ireland under Trapatoni, Harry Maguire. Like it, it's difficult to get too too angry about it because it was a miss at four 0 down. But it really is one of the most inexplicable things of the last four games. The amount of minutes this lad has accumulated to do that and he looks like a fucking newborn giraffe out there like he just can't get his footing his body's a mess and he, he can't describe the world around him yet he's he's, he's unbelievable it's, it's incredible that he has played so often for Aston Villa in this run of fixtures yeah what do you think was the worst Ings, Watkins or Bailey? See, I've come to expect it from Bailey and Ings now, so Watkins has to nudge that in. Not that he's been particularly good for the last couple of games, but I haven't grown too angry with Ollie Watkins just yet, but it's coming. He has to fucking head that into the net. Yeah, well, congratulations, Bailey and Ings. You don't win this because we expect it now. <laughs> the Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting at shithousery award. I only have one nomination. It's from back when... When the days were good and we were having a decent first half performance and I thought we were going to get back in, Matt Cash absolutely clatters Matt Doherty and then he puts his fists into his hands as if to say, let's fucking kill these boys. It was <laughs> uh, it was proper ruthless stuff. And then when Villa go and lose 4-0 and I realise that we've just gone and injured Ireland's best player, it does not, it does not <laughs> age well. So um, I was happy with Matt Cash at the time, not so much right now. Yeah, I like the... To be fair to Matt Cash, he, he does absolutely mince him, but he only minces him because Matt Doherty has taken an absolutely atrocious first touch and Matt Cash, like Matt Cash is yeah. just going out to shadow him. Doherty takes a terrible touch and Cash sees his opportunity and goes fucking mincing through him. And then because it was a Spurs player that got hurted, the fucking commentators are acting as if Matt Cash has killed somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like Matt Doherty's standing on the ball, like in front of the most aggressive right back that, I, that I've seen in the league this season. Like, that, that, that should be a welcome to Villa Park. Like, don't, do not think you're going to get to stand 30 yards out on the left wing on the ball, completely unchallenged. You're going to get minced. And it was a clean tackle, it was a tough tackle. Didn't He didn't actually touch Matt Doherty. He got the ball so cleanly, but he just came through with such force that Doherty ended up getting injured. Very sad to see Doherty get injured. I hope he's okay because he's been brilliant for Ireland as well. Um, but like, there's not there's not on cash there, really. That, that's what's going to happen. If he doesn't make that tackle, every coach in the land is asking, what the fuck are you doing? He's letting him stand there in the ball. Yeah, and we're spending 15 minutes talking about it and calling him a punk. <laughs> Uh, quickly to Peter Enkelman what the fuck award I mean Ezra Conza probably wins this for any number of nominations the only other, nom- <laughs> <laughs> only other nomination I have is John McGinn's pass Aston Villa definitely the team caught out most with this you know that half space so on the right wing you're sort of in on the half wing and they try to 
pass it over to the other half space and it gets cut out every time. And John McGinn tries it just a it just takes too much off it. It's it's stupid. He's not having a look at what's around. Ball gets caught out. Villa wide open because your midfielder's giving it away. Douglas Louise isn't on the scene, obviously. And Song goes straight through. Heavy touch should score. Yeah, it's 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 actually unbelievable how often we've mentioned it in this podcast where we've just we've cut across a ball too much to play a, a simple ball out to your fullback. It's yeah. it's it's laughable how often we've just passed it to the opposition centre midfielder or centre forward. It's disgusting to watch. It's actually not laughable at all. It's not remotely funny. <laughs> all right. Some tactics talk. You let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Quote unquote, Stephen Gerrard, there's going to be changes. So so when you say there's going to be changes, Stephen, this is after the Wolves game, before the Spurs game. You mean we're going to go back to the exact same setup before they enforce changes at Wolves? Danny Ings is back. He had a child the last day and missed the game. So you're just going to bring him back in and you're going to bring Douglas Louise back in instead of Sanson. That's that's the big changes that you're talking about with a smile on your face. Yeah, he had a child the last day so his wife couldn't play. <laughs> but like, it's it's unbelievable. It's re- it really is unbelievable that 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 Stephen Gerrard thinks he can fucking a hoodwink us into going back to a game or the, into a system that had just lost the previous two games as well. Like it's it's laughable that he thought that this system was something was something that he could rely on. I'll go back to the old trusted, the old favorite, the old reliable. What are you doing? Let's try some stuff. Try something else. Like we've said already, this season is being treated like a fucking write off by the players. So why not try a few things and discover something for next season? Like you can't just keep going back to systems that don't work as well. Like we we know that we can't play we can't play this way with that midfield. It's just not gonna work. We can't we can't keep going out with no no centre midfielder. It's an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous setup. What does what does Stephen Gerrard think he's getting out of the setup? maybe he's getting the most out of Coutinho but does he think it's tight like he seems to be really against wide players and you know, say for example a 4-2-3-1 and Villa don't have the players really to play that yet so maybe that's fair enough but he seems to be dead set against that and, and it seems like every time they'll be playing and walk-ins we're really we're really cutting the legs from beneath ourselves in terms of the options we have because we're always going to bring on Bailey. <laughs> and then when he is not getting the run out then, because it's either him or Coutinho, it's just Coutinho who's going to get to play. And we're we're top heavy in terms of attacking midfielders. Chuck Wemiga seems to be long gone now. Like, he, like I'd be very surprised if he features for Villa again, because he's already agitating for a move out, it seems. And he's just not playing anymore, because there's just no options. It's it's Bailey comes on in the striker position, it seems, and Buendia comes on for Coutinho, who can't play 90 minutes. Bertrand Terori is nowhere to be seen, even though he's been on the bench the last while. And I, I don't know, does he think we're defensively sound if we play a tighter, more narrow formation? Because we're not. We've, we've just shipped another four goals. We, we shipped two against West Ham. We shipped one against Arsenal. It should have been way more. We, like, like, opened up by Wolves time and time again. We, oh, so many times we've seen the worst performance that we've seen. We, we talked about that every time it happens as well. And I don't know what he thinks he's really getting out of moving from the 4-3-2-1 and then very subtly changing it to a 4-3-1-2. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not this aggressive, tight formation that he seems to think it is. No, it's not remotely tight. I mean, when you, play, when you don't play wide players, you're asking your fullbacks to play as wingbacks, essentially. And you cannot do that unless you've got another another 
another centre half or a fucking defensive midfielder that can defend. It's just yeah. it's not possible to do that because because it leaves you so open. But also because Aston Villa don't have enough of the ball. They're not tidy enough in possession. You can play that way. You can be really aggressive going forward if you're also dominating the game. You know, Liverpool can play with two fullbacks that are playing as wingbacks because Liverpool dominate every game they play. Man City can get their two fullbacks to go into centre midfield because they dominate every game they play. Aston Villa aren't dominating any fucking games. Yeah. Like most of their possession is Tyrone Mings passing it to Konza and Konza giving it to Martinez and that's going back to Mings. Like, you know, so anytime it looks like Aston Villa had most of the ball, Aston Villa didn't have most of the ball. Their fullback line had most of the ball pointlessly, yeah. waiting, just fucking waiting to ping it forward. We we can't possibly keep trying this system. And maybe maybe he's just trying to get the rest of the players used to the system. Let's give him a bit of credit. Maybe he's trying to get the rest of the players used to the system in advance of signing somebody who can actually play defensive midfield. That's the that's the positive way to look at this. Maybe that's actually just what he's doing. He wants Jacob Ramsey to be ready to play in this position with a real midfield next to him. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what though? I, I I would feel more comfortable about going all in on a manager like that and letting him rip up the team and, and bring in five, six new players for the first team if he was showing a few more positive signs than, than we are right now. Like it just seems like it seems too risky at the minute given how badly we've been playing and our form and how bad the results are to say okay, Stephen, like we're gonna go all in on this formation that isn't working. But but you you're telling me that it will work, and here's here's another two hundred million to buy whatever amount of players you need. Let's get rid of anybody you want, and then let, let's hope that it works out. Like what if it doesn't work? Or what if Villa continue to be shit with new players in this same formation, and we've gone all in on a manager then who and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not agitating for this at all. I'm not advocating it, but a manager who you might into next season have to have a conversation about if things don't improve. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that Stephen Gerrard has really shown us at the minute is that he's infatuated with Coutinho. I mean, he's ripped up the team a couple of times to try and get the best out of Philippe Coutinho, and that's understandable to a certain degree, but you can't just go all in on one player on the hope and expectation that it works out. And I think you're right as well. Aston Villa can't afford to go all in on one manager who has spoken so much about wanting to bring in, you know, he wants to increase the age profile of the team. So if we give him 200 million, he's spending that on people who are 26, 27 or 28. Yeah. And, if, and you're right, if that doesn't work, then that could be a fucking disaster. Aston Villa have been here before. We've given Ross McCormack and Scott Hogan contracts that were preposterous for their level of football inability. You know, we, we don't want to end up down that road again. Danny Ings is exactly the type of player I expect Stephen Gerrard to try to sign if he is given a big lump of money. Yeah. And that might be a fucking disaster. Yeah, there's a the the biggest fear, and I hope it wouldn't get this. And it doesn't mean you will get this if you if you try this tactic. But the, obviously, the extreme example is Everton, who just have this propensity for buying players who they already know where their ceilings at, but they think I'll I'll bring them in anyway. And and, and like, like there's no sell on value for these players at all. No, you're buying players who have failed at bigger clubs. Like this yeah. is what Everton did, and and they're continuing to fail where you are now because you've given them a big contract to bring them in. They probably got their foot off the gas and they've already proven they're not at that top level that you're trying to get to. So yeah. it's a weird strategy to try and bring the, the worst players from up, up above you. Yeah, like signing Alex Awobi from Arsenal's reserves isn't going to get you any closer to Arsenal. <laughs> um, yeah, and the only other two nominations for the ULEC Glenn, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty, is the automatic subs, Brindy and Bailey. And 
And the final one is that that forty five minute team problem. And I I still actually um, contest that notion that we are a forty five minute team because sometimes I think it's a, it's a nice way to spin a match, like especially like the Wolves game. We were brilliant in the second half. We fucking were not. The game was done in the second half. We didn't do much either. We got a lucky goal from a lucky penalty late on. That was it. That was it. Like I, I don't want to look at that Wolves match last 45 minutes as the benchmark of where we get to and also i still just don't like the fact even if we were producing a good 45 minutes that we can only produce 45 minutes and after this match after a 4-0 spanking at home the quote is first half we were outstanding across the board well well done well done the second half we lost 3-0 yeah across uh, apart from across the fucking scoreboard we were absolutely yeah. outstanding. <laughs> like, you know, who gives a fuck? And it, it's really a toss-up as well about which half we're good in. So it's not like, you know, there's there's anything to be seen from this. It's like, you know, we're, we're come flying out of the traps and get completely gassed or we go 2 or 3-0 down and then start playing a bit of football whenever the other team has stopped. Yeah. Like, that's not fucking admirable. The Vyman meter. Go on up. I have two players, believe it or not. Um, Philip Coutinho even though it was slagging a little bit earlier but he just he always gets turned on the ball he is he's is great to watch he, he's never afraid of what's behind him so no matter like you're always taught to turn on the ball but mostly you're taught to turn to just quickly see what's going on Coutinho doesn't care what's going on but he's just turning because he wants to attack and the way he drops his body drops his shoulder and lets the ball roll across him so often the the one that he won that corner for, the shot got blocked mm. the edge of the box. Just that little jink. And I think it was inside Heuberg. It looks like he's about to shoot. He just lets the ball roll on. He's just got so much command of the ball, even when he's not touching it. He knows how it's moving and where it's going. And uh, he's, he's a brilliant little player to watch. If only we could get 90 minutes out of him more often. Yeah, I stepped out of position whenever he had that little shimmy and I was yeah. sitting in my sofa watching it. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, he absolutely done him up and... Yeah, it was. A, it looked like a decent shot as well. Unfortunately, it was deflected. That continue was brilliant. I mean, we talked. We've talked through the the Rosenthal award there. Like he set up two absolute sitters for us, and and there was two brilliant pieces of play from him. The dink to Watkins is perfect, and the dink to Ings is unbelievable. Lovely bit of invention that both players fucked up. So you know we should be coming away from this with two assists for Coutinho because he did his fucking job. That's his job is to play through these mugs to give them golden <laughs> opportunities. What's the fucking point in that? Yeah. Uh, only other person going up is Emmy Buendia. And before he came onto the pitch is the reason he's going up. So Kieliszewski fouls Ramsey just before half time, and he's holding the ball. This is, I think this is for a continuous shot that, that uh, completely panics Hugo Lloris. But Buendia's warming up on the sideline, and he, he goes to run in, take the ball off Kieliszewski, and then he realizes this could cause a big incident, actually, and he checks himself and has to step back. But <laughs> to show that he's even, like, before halftime, even the first half, when he's not playing, this boy's tuned in, and he comes on again, he looks good, he gets turned so easily as well. We need to see both these players on the pitch. Like I said last week, figure it out, not my problem, but get them both on. <laughs> and is it... Is it too unrealistic to say let's take McGinn out? For, let's take McGinn out for a reset and put Emmy Buendia in. Is that, is that is that mad? Is that fucking crazy? Like putting the Camba in there, obviously, to let him stay in that position that Douglas Louise is going to stay in. Um, because here's the other thing: we're talking about Danny Ings, but but Villa just by proxy of having an extra body up top definitely looked better with an extra player making runs that frees up space for Buendia and continue. We just need Buendia and continue on the pitch. Yeah, maybe we should try two number 10s or something like that. 
<laughs> I look, I, with Nakamba, I wouldn't have any problem trying Bundia in there because he does try, he runs around. He's not very good defensively, but like you know, might as well give it a fucking lash. Yeah. Nothing else is working and nothing else matters. We're going to finish between 9th and 14th yet again. Who cares? <laughs> I don't give a flying fuck. Um, to, not, to not react was absolutely brilliant as well whenever he came on. I mean, Danny Ings made a fucking tit of himself as well. Like, Reguilon's first contribution was to bring shame on his family. Like, I, I know you're 1-0 up, but there are better ways to be cynical and waste time. Danny Ings has just gone in and clipped him on the toe and given him exactly what he, what he wanted. But Reguilon doesn't need to roll the round. Like, were you not watching the Wolves game? Because obviously, Buendia was. <laughs> you just have to make it Aston Villa's fault. It's really easy. Just go over and grab somebody or hold the ball. Aston Villa will fuck this up. <laughs> Ashley Young trips Kane as well. Like, I mean, come on, mate. I think, yeah. Fair enough to Young. Of, of course he took him out. He just waltzed through the middle of the centre midfield. Of, co- of course he did that as well. So it's understandable <laughs> why Young was a bit pissed off. But we don't need this right now. Like, What are you doing? But the really annoying thing about that, of course, was the co-commentator acting like Young had driven onto the pitch and just smashed into Kane yeah. with his car. Like Kane was the fucking victim of a hit and run yeah. and actually Young. He slowed down to wind down his window and give him the fucking finger. Kane tried to do it a couple of minutes later as well on Bailey, and the commentator was just like, it was a bit cynical. What? They have a bit of consistency. I know it's yeah. Harry Kane, but fuck me. But anyway, yeah, well done to Buendia for not getting dragged into that. <laughs> yeah, the young thing was just a, a clean trip. There was never going to be anything wrong with Kane. He just took his heel behind his other heel exactly. and he just tripped over, and Kane continued to roll, which is... Oh, it was a bad side. No, Young was stupid and it was cynical, but yeah. Whatever. But like, Kane, it was stupid from Kane as well. He continued to roll. Like, he's only, oh. Young's only getting a yellow card here. That's yeah. all the ref is going to give him. Like, Kane yeah. knows that he's, and he's definitely getting it as well. So you don't need to pretend. Just get up. If Harry Kane doesn't fall to the ground, Young's still getting the yellow card. Madness. Oh, look, we're going over old territory here, but I just I, I can't get over why you wouldn't want to just bounce straight back up after a player trip. Why would you want to roll for another 20 meters? <laughs> like, surely your instinct is to get up and laugh a 4 0 up. You didn't fucking hurt me, mate. Let's, we're going to keep playing. We still have the ball. Nice one, yellow card. Like, well, ah. anyway, look, there's nothing new to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> going down, Kanza, Dougie, McGinn, Ings, anybody else? <laughs> Watkins, Ings. Watkins, yeah, Ings. I said Ings, yeah, um, yeah, like Gerard. Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, Gerard has to go. Gerard, you see Gerard as well in the first half. He's up, fucking applauding. You know, whenever Watkins is misconsidered, he's jumping around. He's pissed off, and then as soon as we go two 0 down, that's the end of it. You don't see Stephen Gerard again. It's weird. It's weird. We saw it in Newcastle as well. Remember, he's just glum expression we're only 1-0 down in that match as well but it was obvious that Villa weren't getting back in because of how they were playing change it change how we're playing get a rocket up the horses like get them going it's on you it's on you and he says afterwards is my responsibility it is it is your <laughs> responsibility you're right about that uh, oh, I'm sure there'll be changes the next game though. <laughs> fuck off <laughs> questions we can't answer but probably will I mean, this started off as a joke as if we would have the choice in this, but should we give Burnley the points? <laughs> Thinking it would be very funny on Frank Lampard if we just gave Burnley the six points that they have to get, come get against us, but they'll probably just get them anyway, even if we try our best. Like, we're, we're shit. We're a shambles. Yeah, well, like, I, I, and they, so they might as well just give them to them then so we can just pretend that we did it yeah. uh, <laughs> out of a bit of altruism. Like, why the fuck not? What are we going to do with them? Finish 11th instead of 14th? Who gives a fuck? 
Like the only reason I'm still watching football this season is to watch Frank Lampard get relegated. <laughs> and the last thing I want is fucking the team I support to interrupt that. The also the, the the next worst thing could happen there is fucking Harry Maguire doing his best to make sure it also doesn't happen. <laughs> Did you see Harry Maguire appealing for handball when he's own player handball? <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, we'll have plenty more opportunities to come back to Harry Maguire. But that was the most United result. I put myself in United's shoes yesterday for the first time, and by I, by God, it wasn't fun. Like I was supporting him, just thinking like this, 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 just come on, let's keep this going. Everton aren't going to win another game for the rest of the season, and. There I was supporting United and do not want to be in that place ever again. Bruno Fernandes down beside David De Gea as Harry Maguire's running around the edge of the box taking shots from 20 yards out. It's just a mess. It's a mess of everybody trying too hard, believe it or not. But it's it's all lip service. They're not they're not actually sticking to a system. They're not trying the way they should be. They're not disciplined. They're all idiots. They're all wankers. They're all showing off to the cameras, and that's why Fernandez is down taking the ball off the keeper, so he can lob one onto Basaka, who's in the box. Run like what's he going to do in the box? Um, <laughs> oh, just a shambles of a team. Uh, yeah, I mean, like after after our performance in the last hour of this podcast, it's it's pretty hard to muster any real enthusiasm. <laughs> it's like a man, you know, this players be like a fucking drunk driver flashing his headlights at a lad for speed. <laughs> but uh, speaking of which, the, the last question I have. Who do those United players think they are, really? Like, who the fuck do they think they are? It's like the, the amount of, over the year as well, but the amount of stuff being leaked to the press, and now we're seeing that they're not happy about the appointment of Eric Ten Hag. Who gives a fuck? None of you are going to be there the way you're going. Like, what, why would it matter if any of you are not happy? It's 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 irrelevant, and it's, it's, it's crazy to think that they still obviously have that bit of inner belief and that bit of arrogance about themselves, it's its mad considering what they've done this year. Yeah, it's, it's a disgrace is what it is. I mean, Man United players have played themselves out of the Champions League for next year. I mean, is that not the fucking holy grail? Like, that's the carrot that every player holds up to their fans to justify them leaving. And Man United's players are so lacking in any sort of professional conviction that they can't even muster a performance good enough to beat Frank Lampard's Everton. And <laughs> The performances are so bad. They've brought Juan Mata out of retirement. And yeah. it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> and don't, don't, don't get me wrong either. A lot of these players have been fucked over by having no manager for years or even in their professional careers. And Rangnick's obviously shite. But the players were in essence told as well that we're going to see out this season before before we take it seriously again next season by giving Rangnick a fucking eight-month interim contract. Yeah. I also think Spurs' first 11 is better than Man United's, but on what planet are these players on that they think they can stand over down in tools? Like, on what planet do they think they have enough money in the bank or enough credit to ask for a certain manager? I mean, if I was a decision maker at Old Trafford, I'd, I'd go for exactly the person that the players don't want because the one thing we know about these players, the only certainty about these players, is that they can't be fucking trusted. So if they're saying they don't want Ten Hag, then fucking get him in on a lifetime contract. <laughs> yeah, that's the only straw poll I need. Like, who do you, who do you not want? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we've got a we've got a two week break. Thank the fucking lord. Um, we're facing <laughs> Leicester away, which is the thing standing in the way of another five game losing streak. Imagine, imagine standing on the brink of a second five-game losing streak in the league this season. In one season with two managers, two different managers, it's uh, 
oh, it's, it's, it's bad, bad times yet again. And that's a fair play to you if you're, if you're listening to this podcast. And fair play to you <laughs> if you've made it this far. Um, I'll not judge you for it. I, I'm really thankful for it. Um, and if you are listening this far and to this point, um, yeah, like always, just I just saw somebody go through a red light there in the car. <laughs> I'm looking out the window and I've seen somebody go through a red light and it's probably how I feel about Aston Villa right now I wouldn't mind just going through that red light and getting the fuck out of here but uh, please subscribe is the point I was going to make and um, please share it on as well thanks a million and I hope your two weeks is fun I think we all deserve it see you later all the best Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.